Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Go. Chiefs Kingdom. This is the Chiefs Take Podcast. We're not happy here today. Cody Bell, my co-host. Cody, tell me why you're not happy today. Well, anytime you give up 40 points to the Raiders and you lose, it's not a good fucking day. Anytime Derek Carr throws for almost 350 on you and only throws 80 completions, not a good day. Yeah, very. 22 for 31, 346 yard passing. The craziest stat to me is he was 10.8 yards per pass. So every time Derek Carr dropped back, it was the first down. You're not going to win. You're not going to win very many football games doing that. You're not going to win very many football games doing that. And it was shocking to see Derek Carr come out there and do that and win his first game at Arrowhead in seven tries. And the Raiders pretty much came out in a must-win scenario, and they completely bombed the Chiefs. They gave us a taste of our own medicine. I think maybe we could start on the defensive side of the football because the uh, – not good. We gave up 40 points to the Raiders, a team who I didn't see us giving up more than 20 to this time last week. Yeah, our defense definitely has to be a concern. But I think before I start talking about the defense, it, there's no reason to panic. I mean, we no. still have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we lost. And the worst part about this loss, it is to the Oakland Raiders, who I absolutely cannot stand. But it's, it's, there's, there's no reason to panic. Sammy Watkins got hurt. You know, we're at their play – or no, we're at our place. We lost to them at home, Cody. At we, lost to them, we lost to them at home. It's the Raiders. It is an AFC West game. But when you look at it as an entire season, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to go 16-0. and And the Chiefs do have the best roster in the NFL. I think that's almost without question. So we're going to lose some games that we weren't, weren't supposed to. But it's just we unfortunate were, this was a, This was a division game that we knew we weren't supposed to lose. And honestly, at one point in the game, we were up 21-10. to And uh, – I thought the game was about to be over at that point. I thought after Carr threw that interception to Breland, I was like 20, all right, 21 to 10. I said, okay, this is going to be over very shortly. I said, we might have this game over by halftime. And to the, to the credit of the Raiders, they had Derek Carr throwing the ball fearlessly downfield, but it also appeared at times there was miscommunication in the Chiefs secondary on some of those. I'm thinking of three big throws in particular. The big one to Ruggs early on third down that I think kind of gave them life. The huge bomb to Aguilar that completely shifted the momentum of the game. 
and the big pass to Renfro late in the game that put them in a position to go up by multiple possessions. Where uh, where do you want to start with those three, though? I think the big – it was a big post pattern to Renfro. We were in some type of cover three defense. That was probably a defining moment of how the entire game pretty much went. We were in a simple coverage that if we play that a little bit better at the safety spot, we probably shut that down no problem. And Juan Thornhill – yeah, Thornhill bit to the outside on that, and Renfro went right back in. There was nobody there because I believe that Tyra Matthew or Sorensen had to step up to cover Waller, and there was just a void there, a massive void. Yeah, and I don't know what Wall was looking at because it wasn't like they were, you know, what we saw against the Ravens with uh, Miko against Marcus Peters. There wasn't somebody threatening that side of the field. His only deep threat, and he's in that middle third, was Renfro. So now he's looking at Derek Carr, who's getting pressured and moving in the pocket. But I'm not I'm not sure what he was looking at. And that right there, that should be easily covered based on scheme and what we had set up. So we just – we really didn't play well. And for them to get that at that point in the game, I thought it was just defining that now, you know, we're, not, we're not covering things down the field. There were, there were issues in the secondary. It appeared that I, – I don't know what was wrong with Charvarius Ward. Maybe his hand was bothering him. Maybe it was a performance issue, but we did not see him on the field much after halftime. It was some speculation that he might have gotten benched. Where did you take away from that? Yeah, I heard that he was benched after halftime, and he's been playing okay up to this point, but I thought against the Raiders he was just he, – he was getting beat out there. And I think most of that – I'm going to say it's probably because of the hand in injury that he's dealing with. A lot of people don't understand that you know, when you're a pro and you have something like that, where as, as important as it is as a DB to be able to use your hands and you can't use one as well as you can, in a way that's almost – it's just destroying your confidence. So I think he's probably lost a little bit of confidence. I also think that it doesn't help that a couple of our other corners have been playing at a pretty high level, and he's just not able to do that because of the injury that he's dealing with. Now, he still is in the NFL, and I think he will figure it out, but I think he's – I think he's fighting the mental fight right now more than anything. I agree with the, I agree with you on that, and especially for a team like the Chiefs where they want their corners to go be physical with the other team's wide receivers and really kind of try to play tight to them. I think that kind of limited them, but obviously if you're in the NFL and you're going to be on the field, you have to perform or yeah. you're going to be scrutinized. So I think that there were some miscues in the secondary. This was really the first time – the first, very first time since Steve Spagnola has been our defensive coordinator that we have given up long plays. And I'm not just talking about, like, big rips in the running game. We've seen that before. I'm talking about big 50 to 45-yard-plus passes down the field. They, The Raiders kind of came in here and beat our defensive identity. They didn't let us get much pass rush on. I mean, I, I don't really care about us giving up running yards even at this point. The Raiders – Josh Jacobs ran the ball for us on a hundred times two games last year, and it made no impact in those games. But what the impact came to you this week is we had no pass rush and John Gruden and the Raiders had a plan to confuse our secondary and get their weapons in space and go out there and try to win the game. But when I go back to the conversation with the defensive line, yeah, the secondary, they have the most visible struggles because they're the guys getting beat for touchdowns on the big rips. The defensive line had very little pressure all game. Chris Jones only had one noticeable pressure. The team only recorded one sack, and that was by Willie Gay Jr., who just he just kind of flew in there at the very end. 
of the play to make Carr slide for only about one yard. So they really struggled all game. And then, of course, our linebackers didn't play too good, except for I thought Hitchens did play his best game as a chief from that linebacker position. Yeah, Caleb, that is a that is a good point. Anthony Hitchens said he did have a really good game. He actually looked to be like a, a competent linebacker. He looked like a leader out there. Yeah, he did. He, he, played, he played really well. But touched on what you said about the defensive line, and it's odd because most of the time when you're playing a running team like the Raiders or the Titans – and you're so focused on the run, you don't expect that pass rush because people are more holding gap integrity and things like that. But we haven't seen that, and you're right. We haven't seen that from the Raiders. Even though the Raiders have always been able to run the ball, speaking the last two years, it really had never slowed down our pass rush. But this game, it was evident that there really wasn't a pass rush. And so Derek Carr was able to step in the pocket, and he's got a couple good deep, deep threats in Henry Ruggs. Nelson Aguilar, who I'm surprised he caught it, but they were able to get downfield and, and find open windows. So I thought that was just uncharacteristic of our defense not to find pressure, especially because the last three years, that's what the Chiefs have been. Get us the third down and rush the fast. Rushing four, right. And we, you know, really the thing was even after Derek Carr threw that interception, the Raiders didn't deviate from their game plan with it all. So it was apparent to me that they were just going to ride or die with Carr and they were just – John Gruden was going to give him the confidence that he needed to go in there and keep completing those passes. And he did time and time again. You said that 10.8 thing, that's not really a recipe for winning football games for anybody, for any defense. No. And giving up 40 points at home just doesn't really – it's not the winning recipe for that either. But I was a little bit disappointed. The Raiders do have a pretty good offensive line. They look much improved. Um Colton Miller, I mean, I think here in the kingdom, we've gotten used to seeing our defensive ends and tackles abuse Colton Miller over the years. So I guess I should give him a little bit of credit because he played a good game and he didn't let Frank Clark really do anything, neither did Trent Brown. So they were quiet from that standpoint. Chris Jones seemed like they really were honed in on double teaming him, not really letting him get free. I mean, Naughty and Pinnell aren't great pass rushers. And then just you know, they, I think that their ability to run the ball probably did have some impact on that, but I think the Raiders had a great plan because on a lot of those deep shots they threw, the Raiders only had two or three guys out there. So, I mean, they were keeping eight in the box or keeping eight or uh, not eight, they were keeping seven in on protection to be able to slow it down. But as far as running the ball goes, I think that Ben Neiman was also very much exposed out there once more. And I know everybody hates him at this point, so hopefully Willie keeps getting it figured out because he didn't look horrible out there in the box, but he still does some funky things when he's out there. Yeah, I think he's guessing a little bit still kind of last week. I think the game is still probably moving kind of fast for Willie Gay. So I do expect him to get a lot more snaps this week. I don't think – I think we've all decided that Ben Neiman probably – despite he might understand the defense a little bit better and see the game a little bit better, I don't think – at least. I'm looking at it. I don't see a reason for him to play over Willie Gay anymore, especially because that was probably Willie Gay's best game as a Chief and the most snaps that he's played. So I think Willie Gay will get a little bit more action against the Bills. But Derek Carr, yeah, he – I mean, I, I've always been in the boat that I don't think Derek Carr's a bad quarterback. Now, I know you're in the boat that you think Derek Carr's very bad. I do think, I do think Derek Carr's bad. You know, he went out there might have proved me a little bit wrong, but Derek Carr <laughs> has that game. Cody, what's what's Derek Carr do once every three years? 
he has that game that fires people up about him. That was this game. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, he he's he's playing at a high level right now. Probably not MVP conversation, but the Raiders are three and two. Derek Carr's playing well, they're running the ball well. So don't don't get me wrong, this is a good football team, a team we shouldn't have lost to, but you gotta I'll tip say, your hat to him. I'll say this about Willie Gay, going back to that for just a second. You know, he looked really slow in there in week two. He didn't really look like he knew what he's doing. This week, he looked slow at everything except for standing in there at linebacker and running in Philly gaps. He looked a lot more competent doing that. I put one film clip of that on Twitter where he goes in there and the uh, Raiders center, Rodney Hudson, former chief, tries to go out to block him, and he just easily slips past him and gets into the backup and has a beautiful run fit on Jacobs. I really liked that out of him. And, you know, Ben Neiman is what he is. He is a slow linebacker, undrafted free agent from Iowa. So that's pretty much all you need to know about him. So hopefully Willie keeps getting more reps than him. I'm hoping that Spags and the entire defense can get it figured out for this week. But let's shift over to the offense because this is where I think a lot of people don't understand my problem with the Chiefs. Yeah, you can get mad at the defense for giving up 40 points, but with the Chiefs' offense, they should still be able to overcome some of the stuff they did, and they only scored eight points in the second half. So let's start there. The second half, it really looked like the Raiders had the Chiefs figured out. Yeah, it seemed to be a pretty simple concept for them all game. I think they were going to drop either seven or eight, try to keep Mahomes in the pocket or flush him out to the edges to their pass rush. Like you said, they kind of went in some wide nine fronts and – tried to flush them. So I'm not going to sit here and say that that might be a formula to slow down Mahomes, considering we still had 32 points in the game. But there was definitely times in that game where I thought we saw some of it last week of Mahomes being a little flustered. So there's something that the defensive coaches are seeing on film that Mahomes looks human. There's, and that's hard to say because I don't think we've seen that in his entire career. We, we say that looks human, and he probably made five get five throws this game that would go on anyone's highlight reel. The touchdown yeah. that got called back on what I call was a horrendous holding call in Osimile. That Terrible. was very weak. Um, the rollout throw to Kelsey, and then um, not probably not five, the but then the pick. Yeah. From that Kelsey, no where they good. called it a pick. Yeah, I agree with that. And then the. Uh, Darrell Williams goes to cut and gets back up, and Mahomes just keeps rolling, sidesteps someone, and throws a sidearm pass off his back foot to the back of the end zone. So yeah. he's he's clearly still he's clearly still not a human. But what I think they're doing is, and this is the tendency I think that teams have been rolling with. This is kind of what the uh, Chargers did, not really what the Patriots did, but Bill Belichick does whatever he wants. They're lining up their ends wide so he can't get out and scramble because, you know, he likes to do that little reverse out step. They're getting him out and making it harder on the offensive tackles to do that. But at the same time, that allows the wider they get, that allows the defensive ends more freedom to work back inside when they need to. If they know they're going to have a linebacker out there to help cover a scramble potentially. And so they're doing that, and that's given the Chiefs tackles issues. And the Chiefs interior offensive line – when Osimile went out with his injury, which that's going to be huge, they might have to get some more things fixed. I just think Andrew Wiley was getting beat like a drum in there on pass protection yeah. all night. He was getting beat, and they were getting pressure up the middle on him and Ryder. 
I didn't think Rimmers did a horrible job when he was in the game. But they're just getting those guys in there and they're not really creating anywhere to go. But to compound the pass protection issues, when Mahomes is stepping up, Mahomes has also got chances to step up into the pocket. But I think he's so uncomfortable with the kind of looks he's getting from the front fours and from these teams. I think that he's getting nervous about stepping up and he wants to revert back to the I'm a gunslinger, I'm a playmaker mentality. Yeah. That's from my side of the kind of an offensive lines perspective from like an OC kind of perspective like that. What did you think though about the offense? What is, what are some things you thought about them from this past Sunday? I thought it's kind of what we've been talking about. We're just kind of a, a vanilla flavor on offense. When, when we open the offense and we mix it up with throwing screen passes to Anthony Sherman and throwing touchdown passes to our left tackle, that's when the Chiefs are hardest to stop because those are people that you can't game plan for. Nobody goes into a week playing the Chiefs and said, we've got to stop the plays to Anthony Sherman. We've got to stop. I just think we're very vanilla. I think, I think our top passing concept might be like an option type route for Kelsey where if he sees zone coverage, he just finds the hole and sits down at about five to six yards. Or if he gets man coverage, he runs either an out route or an in route based on which leverage the defender's playing. So I think teams are getting a beat on that, beating up Kelsey. It's kind of like, you know, you posted on your Twitter about Max Crosby, I think, dropping into coverage on Kelsey, just trying to buy the linebacker some time. So I think we've got to mix it up more on offense, and I think that starts with a run game. While Clyde didn't have a terrible game per se, it was evident that there was times where we were running the ball for one yard of carry. And when you run the ball for one yard of carry and teams can tee off on the fact that they know you're passing, even when you have a quarterback like Mahomes, it, it still makes it a lot easier to stop. So I think when, we've got to mix it up more on offense and then figure out when you know, Osem- what, what we're doing in the run game. When Osemele went out, we lost any push we had on our offensive yeah. line up front, and that was killing us in the run game because Wyatt and Ryder and Wiley and Rimmers, those are not guys that are going to get down and just drive you off the ball. And I don't yeah. really expect Mitchell Schwartz to be that guy either at his tackle position. So we have – Eric Fisher is really our only offensive lineman on the team that can just line up and completely go out there and try to just beat someone beat someone down the field and just maul them up like that. So that was hurting in the run game. Mind you, we only ran the we only tried to run the ball 11 times. Clyde got 10 of those and he rushed for 40 yards. So he's averaging four a carry and if you tally Clyde's season totals for running the ball and catching the ball, he's actually averaging 5.32 yards per catch and run. And that's yep. not bad at all, especially considering this week, I think he was averaging something like 11 yards a catch. And we didn't even run any concepts with him except for check downs out of the backfield. Yep. And he put a dirty double spin on a dude and got his helmet knocked off and he still didn't go down. So, yeah. Before but we talk about that, do you know uh, off the top of your head by chance, Darrell Williams stats? He had one carry for one yard, I believe. And what about in the past game, any production? I'm just talking about it. He was – Darrell Williams game. doesn't catch passes. Darrell Williams comes into block on third down. <laughs> so, pretty good tell we have right there of what's about to happen. Something else I noticed out of the Raiders, they were uh, they were making sure they were doubling Kelsey also, which is weird. Yep. They were situationally doubling him. They were – You mean on like third down? On third down, some of those first downs when they like to go to yep. him. There was one play I watched like Max Crosby line up from a defensive end and drop back just to get in his face and cover him and wait for the linebacker right. to come over to sell them some time. Um, it really 
their safeties were playing so deep. You know, we got that one deep shot with Hill, and then they got called back. And then after that, they were playing so deep. It was just too hard to get anything going on. Those guys are playing. Cody, how far how far back should a safety normally be playing, like from the ball, when the ball is snapped? It depends on the coverage. So in most of your zone coverages, it's probably going to be somewhere between, I'm going to say, 10 and 20 yards. If it's man-type coverage and you have safety help over the top, most of the time they'll sit at 20. I've seen Devin McCourty. He plays a lot of one high. He'll sit at about 25 yards. So the Raiders are – they played like what? A lot of cover two, cover three this week. Really deep covers, though. Yeah. They were at, yeah. They were at, their safeties, to me, were lot, looked like on film, at least they were lining up 30 yards off the ball. And yeah, thirty, that, and then as soon as they saw Hill or Hardman running their way, they they were literally just running to not get beat. Yeah, I think and, on that play that Tyreek Hill scored that that long touchdown pass, they were definitely in a cover three look. But Eric Harris, I think, was sitting back at about thirty yards. Yeah, which is ridiculous. There should be something underneath that's open. But here's the thing I want to get to. We sit here and watch the Chiefs. I've watched the entire offensive game plan on all twenty-two. We really don't have any routes this team runs that are under, like, 10 yards. We don't run anything that you could consider a moderate route. And I'm not talking about just, like, checkdowns with Clydes or screens. I'm like, when's the last time – like, when's the last time we've seen this team just run a quick slant or just, like, a little hitch route just to keep them honest when they're in that deep of coverage? That's not Kelsey. You don't see it. If it's not seeing, that's the thing I'm trying to get at, though. That's the situational double-teaming on Kelsey. They know when the Chiefs like to run just like a quick little hitch with Kelsey or a quick out or a quick in. You were talking about that before we were just on the show. They've got that. Teams are kind of starting to figure that tendency out just a little bit now. Yep. And losing Sammy Watkins, who I think is probably that utility receiver for us, that guy that can run those slants or those quick outs, that's what I see more Sammy Watkins in our offense. I think he can make big plays. He is fast. But losing Sammy Watkins, I think that'll hurt too. So I'll be curious to see what Andy Reid does going forward. We have a big a big game coming up against the Bills. So kind of see what adjustments he's making. Because Andy Reid's not stupid. If me and you can see this, Andy Reid can definitely see this. Right. So it'll be curious to see the next few weeks how he adjusts and what he does differently. Just uh, let me say something real quick, though. Uh... Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are both going to the Hall of Fame, and they those guys literally ran quick slants to their best receivers yep. ten times a game, every game for their entire careers. So, yep. I mean, I know maybe we just only want to see Tyreek Hill go deep, but I'd like to see him – I missed seeing Tyreek catch the ball and run a long distance because, you know, lately it's just seeing these deep bombs to him. So, maybe we could check that out. You know what would really – could actually boost the Chiefs' offense just a little bit? Just a little bit. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because today – I wasn't going to interrupt the show, but there was a tweet that just came out by Bleacher Report about five minutes ago that said the Chiefs are the top target to land. Maybe on Bell. Is that who you're talking about? Now, see, you can go ahead and interrupt because we've been talking about all these things the Chiefs can do to help get better on offense. Because at the end of the day, I know the defense gave up 40 – this team is literally designed to have their offense go out and outscore people at every stop and then have the secondary be good enough to guard people at the end and have the pass rush be good enough to get home. 
So, but the offense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. They only scored eight in the second half. So one of the things with that we could maybe make ourselves a little bit better is by running with multiple running backs and maybe lining up a running back that can a couple of running backs that can catch and kind of countering teams with some of these inside or some of these shorter patterns that we could maybe possibly take advantage of on them. Cody, I don't know. What are your thoughts on if Le'Veon Bell were to become a Kansas City Chief? Because there's a lot of noise going on. We're recording this on 5 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Y'all hear this at noon tomorrow. There's a lot of noise right now because he did get released by the Jets earlier today. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. I think 20 minutes after he got released, I was already talking about maybe Le'Veon to the Chiefs because to me it just makes sense. I think, and to touch on your point earlier, where Clyde handled 10 of the 11 carries, and as we know, Darrell Williams just isn't involved in the pass game. I would bet that he's got under five catches on the season, and I, I could be wrong, but I, I would bet. So when Darrell Williams is in the game, it's not a threat to defenses that he's going to do much of anything, whether that's run the ball or catch the ball out of the backfield. So that's almost an instant giveaway that pass is coming or the passes will be nowhere near Darrell Williams. So I think when you bring Le'Veon Bell in and then we kind of have a two-headed dragon with Clyde, and Le'Veon, who are both excellent catchers out of the backfield and then can both run the ball very well, despite what Le'Veon's numbers may say. Again, it's the Jets. I want to remind everybody, the Jets is a dumpster fire of an organization. And Complete trash. Hardly, hardly anybody has excelled there the last three years except for probably a Hall of Fame safety in the future, Jamal Adams. So when you yeah. have that two-headed dragon, it, it puts a lot of stress on defenses because you don't have, like I said, that – Daryl Williams present where you know he's not going to do much of anything. If they were to uh, line up Clyde and uh, Le'Veon in the backfield, split back at the same time, have uh, Travis and uh, Tyreek on one side and have like, say, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, really whoever lined up on the other side, does that not just strain a defense? Because oh, you don't want to put – you don't want to put your linebackers on Le'Veon Bell. We just I don't know. For those of you who are not bandwagon fans or remember that a horrible playoff game in 2016, I think Le'Veon Bell had like a million all-purpose yards on us. He just oh, crushed us. That was the worst. That was one of the worst losses I could ever remember. He had like 200 yeah. all-purpose yards, and he was literally catching swing passes out of the backfield and burning people like Reggie Ragland. But – if you Chiefs go to these formations where they have receivers in, they have Clyde and Le'Veon on the field at the same time, they can't really run. They have to respect the run at the same time as the pass. And as you were saying before the show started, Chiefs offensive line, not great. Probably not going to get a whole lot better as the season goes along. But uh, Le'Veon Bell is pretty good at setting up his own blocks and kind of reading the defense. Yeah, what it does is when you have those two in the backfield, it, it forces you, because obviously you're going to play man or zone. So if you want to play man-to-man on Le'Veon Bell and Clyde out of the backfield. With linebackers. You can't, you can't, you can't double-team everybody. So you got to decide if you're going to double-team Kelsey or double-team Tyreek. And that either puts you in a situation where you have to bring DBs on the field to cover Le'Veon and Clyde, or you leave your linebackers. I'll take a one-on-one -on -one matchup with linebackers any day of the week, and if they want to bring the DBs on, then we've got to find a way to establish the run game. And what I can see, Caleb, I can see it now. I can see us coming out with Clyde, Travis, Kelsey, Tyree Kill on the field, flexing Le'Veon out, motioning them back in, sending a fly motion, 
shooting both backs out of the backfield and running the screen over the middle to Travis Kelsey. I, the possibilities with Le'Veon just because he does not have any deficiencies, and I'm talking about pass blocking, run blocking, it gives you so many more options. He's still and a he's young a new man. Toy. He's still a, he's still only 28 years old, and he also sat out a season, and mm-hmm. he hasn't done a whole lot this year for the Jets. So I assume he'll be fairly fresh and ready to go. So I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of different. Th- Twitter's kind of just started to blow up in the last five minutes since we're recording this, which is kind of interesting that we finally got to this segment. There's a lot of Le'Veon news. Hopefully, we'll know at some point because. As you said, I would love to see Le'Veon lined out, flex him out, and then if teams want to run man-on-man, the, the Chiefs just run a little wheel route and Pat puts one over. Oh, yeah, and then we have Clyde who can do the almost the exact same thing. If the Chiefs got Le'Veon Bell, I would try to establish as much pin and pull and perimeter run game as I could possible because Travis Kelsey is blocking very well this year. You know, Demarcus Robinson, he's not a very good receiver, but he's good at blocking. And Eric Fisher is the most athletic lineman we have, and he's not really all that bad of a bl- – Eric Fisher's a good player. He's struggled a little bit. He'll be okay. But if we can get him pulling her on the edge and we set up these man-to-man blocks on the outside and Le'Veon Bell can sit there and shift around, that is going to strain people. And if you yeah. put together enough successful plays like that, teams are going to have to walk people back up into the box – and guess what we have after that? It's time to start going deep again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Caleb, I think that brings up a good point. You know, everybody talks about Le'Veon Bell as the possibility of him being a threat out of the backfield, but there's something that he does really well on the perimeter, and that's set up blocks. You know it as well as I know it. The Chiefs are very simple on offense as far as the run game. You said inside zone and counter. Are and sometimes ten, inside zone power and maybe a touch of pin and pull and every once yep. in a while they'll run the option and that's yep. it and when you're running inside zone and power that that requires movement on the offensive line and you were touching on it earlier we just don't have that right now so if we can work to set up to maybe get and we don't know how quiet is on the perimeter we really don't give him that many opportunities in those types of plays you think he's special I still think that's the thing that We'll find out, and I mean, it's Clyde. I wouldn't put anything past him. But Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the best running backs that we've seen in the last 20 years as far as setting up blocks, finding holes, the Steelers finding a way to make space. The Steelers rolled people when he was there, when they would run there. I understand that was a long time ago for him, but the Steelers rolled people with outside zone concepts and pin and pull concepts just because the more the defense has to run – that just gives him more time to set up his own blocks, and that gives them time to over-pursue and him to cut back. So we'll keep updated. Hopefully we'll know very soon what the status of Le'Veon Bell is. I would really enjoy seeing him in red, in a Chiefs uniform. But the Chiefs also have a matchup this week. Got a big game this week versus a team that looked very, very shell-shocked last night in a game that I thought they would come out and win. And that's the Buffalo Bills. Now they're playing the Tennessee Titans, who all had COVID apparently. And it's just a big COVID problem in the NFL right now. Which you saw Anthony Sherman was exposed to COVID also, didn't you? I did. A little yeah. concerning. That if he if he tests negative twice between now and game day, he should be good to go. So we'll see about that. But the Titans literally 
came, the Bills went down there on short rest, very short rest at that. And or not short rest. The Bills came down there on a lot of rest. They came in there, a lot of extra prep time. The Titans had very little prep time, haven't played a game in a while. And the Titans came out and completely dominated them from the start of the game. They made Josh Allen look incredibly foolish. Because yep. uh, Josh Allen, I was here in the MVP conversation up until last night. And last night, I think that Tennessee brought him down to earth. Cody, did you get a chance to check that game out by chance? I did. And we talked about it a little bit before the show. I thought the Titans did a really good job on defense of mixing up looks, sending pressure, dropping eight where Josh Allen was kind of confused late in that game and eventually it just got away because they couldn't do anything on offense. But we saw a lot of that when the Bills played the Texans. So, yeah, it was nice to see that, you know, Josh Allen, while he's having an MVP caliber season, um, can be humbled a little bit. and Maybe the Chiefs can capitalize on a little bit what the Titans did. Now that he did throw two interceptions last night, 26 for 41. Not a great, not a great game. They only limited him to 18 yards rushing, but that that gives the question. You know, I remember that playoff game last year versus the uh, Texans, and uh, he he looked very uncomfortable late in the game and in big situations. And I saw some of that body language from him again this week when they were down a couple of scores, or when they really it was late. It was in the third quarter. They really needed to go down and try to tie the game or get a score. He started getting happy feet. He started running around. I know last year in that playoff game, he lateraled the ball to someone behind the first down marker for no reason at all, just because he felt like it. He really just didn't look like – I mean, and that being said, Stephon Diggs had 10 receptions for 106 yards. If you remember last year when he played for Minnesota, he had one catch for five yards. I'm pretty sure our good friend, Bashad Breland, might have shut him down all game that game. So – be, that'll be an interesting matchup on the outside there. And then the uh, Titans defense let Ryan Tannehill efficiently beat them to death, essentially, with just play actions and checkdowns. Derrick Henry robbed Josh Norman's soul, and A.J. Brown had about seven receptions for 82 yards. So it's one of those things. I think that it was a crazy situation. The Bills are probably going to be a little bit upset that they got beat by a team that had short prep time. The Titans also might have known they have suspensions and fines coming, so that might have been their Super Bowl. But what was your big takeaway from that Bills-Titans game? What could be a big takeaway for this week, Chiefs versus Bills? I think, like I said, I think Willie Gay will play or have a big impact on the pass game. What I saw from the Bills is they want to throw the ball. I don't think they want to run the ball. I saw Josh Allen, as we kind of talked about it, he got flustered. And when he gets flustered, I think that's when you start to see him miss throws. There was a couple plays last night where he just threw balls behind receivers who were wide open last night. So I think the key will be getting Josh Allen flustered. And I think that means us putting our best cover guys on the field, and that means putting Willie Gay out there. So that'll, that'll be my biggest takeaway from last night is – the Chiefs, they need to work on getting Josh Allen flustered and flustered early. I don't know if that's, you know, dropping eight or showing 11 on the line of scrimmage, sending them, dropping out. Spags will look at that as to kind of what Tennessee did on defense. I wasn't really looking at Tennessee. I was looking at more of the Bills. So I, I expect Spags to take it some of what Tennessee did and look to do some of the similar things is just get Josh Allen uncomfortable. 
make to a me, throw uh, passes backwards for no reason, that type of to stuff. To me, you know what the best thing I think the Chiefs can do to get Josh Allen uncomfortable is? I think the pass rush has to show up this week. Because yep. we have $200 million invested between Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they yep. got one pressure last week. They have to step yep. up. And you know what? If we got to get Taco Charlton more reps on the other side, I like Tano Passadio. He's more of a rundown guy to me at this point. I don't think he has much juice in the pass game. Yep. So I think if we got to get Taco Charlton on rushing downs, but I think the best way to get a young quarterback like him shaken up. And here's another thing. Josh Allen has a really low release for being like eight feet tall. Like <laughs> he throws a lot of short stuff like that. It's time. I think it's time. They're need, if they get their hands up and can bat some passes down early, I think they can make it tough on him. Cody, do we have a prediction or a score for this week, Chiefs versus Bills? I think Chiefs roll. I think they come back pretty motivated after losing to a an average Raider team. I think Chiefs come back and they win. I'm going to say 35-16. 35-16. All right. I think Pat's angry. I really don't think Buffalo has as good a pass rush as the Raiders do. Certainly not as good a pass rush as the Chargers do. They – you said they have a decent secondary. We'll see. Ryan Tannehill was throwing darts past people's faces. Josh Norman might have might have retired after that, so we don't know what's going on in these situations. I you think Josh Chiefs, Henry wasn't that Josh Norman that got pinned uh, down. I, just, I called him Josh Henry because he's got to call Derrick Henry dad from now on. Oh, uh, that is Cody. That's a very excellent <laughs> yeah. point. He uh, well, there was a time when uh. Juan Thornhill had was Juan Henry, and he worked his way out of that later <laughs> on. So, everyone's every, – Derek Henry's probably been everyone's dad at some point. But uh, I think this game I'm going to roll with uh, – I think I'm going to roll 31 to 14 Chiefs. I think that might be kind of close in the first half. The Bills are going to come out with a lot of energy, but I think that the Chiefs get her figured out. And, uh, Cody, what's your Chiefs take for this game? What's your My Chiefs take, take? I've been kind of hit. I've been kind of hitting at it. I think Willie Gay has a big game as the Chiefs. I think we see him play. I'm going to say over 40 snaps. I think he played 33 last week, right? That's what mm -hmm. I've been seeing. It was so over I think 33. Willie Gay, I think Willie Gay has a huge impact on that defense, and we see him step up and finally have that breakout game as a Chief that I think everybody's been waiting for. So that's our uh, that's a good old defensive Chiefs take. Now for the offensive Chiefs take. A little bit harder for me to predict these since I could literally say Patrick Mahomes could throw for a million yards and it is probably feasible in the game. But for my <laughs> Chiefs take this week, I'm going to say Tyree Kill has 200 combined all-purpose yards for the football game. Ooh. I think that Andy knows who he's got to get going. So, I mean, you saw them. Tyreek almost had about 200 all-purpose yards this last week. He was really close. Yep. I think he's probably going to be a little upset about that. So, I think they hit him with some deep bombs. Give me some more of those reverses on the goal line. Uh, yeah. Real quick, NFL COVID situation. We got to touch on that just a second. Hopefully no more positive tests. I know in college football, Nick Saban just tested positive, so that's not yep. good. So we'll see how I it goes. I also saw another thing today that there's like 29 Florida players that have tested positive. Or no, there's 19 in quarantine right the, now. The SEC is canceling games left and right this week right now. It's a it's a debacle. Hopefully none of that happens in the NFL. Hopefully they keep social distancing following protocols. Cody, it's been a good one. It's never fun to lose to the Raiders, but congratulations, Raiders. You might have made the Chiefs so mad on your quest to go eight and eight, they might have to go sign Le'Veon Bell now. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, y'all. This it's has been fun. Chief Steak. This has been brought to you by Arrowhead Live and Border Field Sports Media. Everybody, keep on keeping on.